0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Edition with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, some really sad and shocking news this week, which is the death of Luke Perry at the age of 52. Um... Of course, as you know, Luke got his big break in showbiz as Ned Bates on Loving in 1987 and then went on to a brief role in Another World before really becoming one of the biggest stars on the planet in the 90s as Dylan McKay on Beverly Hills 90210. You know, we saw so many amazing, beautiful, poignant tributes to him online after the news broke of his death. And I think people were really just trying to process that it even happened. I mean, it seems so unimaginable for someone so young to die of a stroke. You know, you really associate that with older people. I mean, I know it happens, but it just seems insane that it happened to him.
2: (sighs) Mark Teschner, who's the casting director for General Hospital, was actually the casting director for Loving and was responsible for hiring Luke to play Ned. He was just 19 years old. And what I didn't know is that Mark and Luke had, had stayed in touch. And they actually had breakfast just two weeks ago. Uh, Mark said he could tell right away when he met Luke that he had a huge career ahead of him, and he was right. And it's kind of a particularly tragic scenario uh, and loss because he was experiencing such a career renaissance and being introduced to a whole new generation of fans via his role on Riverdale. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm
3: a
1: big fan of Riverdale, and I have to say that part of the draw for me was that Luke was on it. I watched 90210 from day one in 1990. I had actually just started my job here at Digest a few weeks earlier. And at that time, we covered the primetime soaps, you know, pretty heavily along with daytime. Um, So cut to the Soap Opera Digest Awards in January of 1991. I was there, which you can imagine was super exciting to me because I had just joined the staff a few months earlier and I couldn't believe I got to go. Um, Anyway, I was with the editor-in-chief at the time, Meredith Berlin, and we passed Ian Ziering, who had played Cameron on Guiding Light and was now on 90210 as Steve. And one season of the show had aired and they were gearing up for a summer season, which was, you know, totally unheard of at the time. Shows did not air new episodes in the summer back then. And Meredith asked if Ian would do a catching up piece with us. So he said yes, and she assigned it to me. Now, that was my first assignment for the magazine. And, you know, for me, it was so cool that, A, I was getting one, and, B, that it was for a show that, like, I loved and watched. So I talked to Ian on the phone, and when we were done, he said, do you want to talk to my friend Luke Perry? He's on the show with me as Dylan and used to play Ned on Loving. So I said, sure. And I did the interview and we printed it like maybe that May. And then 90210 just exploded after that summer season. And we used every single word of that interview that I did with Luke um, in the months ahead. And, you know, it's always been my big claim to fame story here. And now it just has like a layer of sadness to it.
2: I definitely think you take the cake for most memorable first interview among our staffers, although I think mine was Tay Diggs, which is not too shabby. <laughs> not too shabby at all. Um, I also spoke to
1: Days' Josh Taylor this week, who plays Roman, but uh, who played Jack McKay on Nine Hundred Two and 90210, who was Dylan's dad. And so he worked very closely with Luke. Um, you know, he was obviously shaken up by the news. They had not really been in touch, but Josh... Just had the nicest things to say about his experience of working with Luke back in the day. You know, Josh said his big takeaway is that as cool as Dylan McKay might have been, Luke was even cooler. And, uh, you know, oddly enough, our guest today has a 90210 connection as well. It's Days' Brian Totillo, who actually auditioned for the role of Brandon, and his sister Kristen was in the running to play Brenda back when they were casting the show. Um, Now, I've known Brian for over 20 years. Um, You know, what's amazing to me is that he's really so funny in real life, which is something that you do not see at all with Lucas. Uh, One of our former co-workers always said she wanted him in our roundup section every week because his answers are just so delightful. And he really makes me laugh. Um, but you know, when Ron Carlovati came aboard as head writer, he really gave Brian some of the best material he's ever had in his 25 plus years of days. And I will still complain about the fact that he was not nominated for an Emmy last year because he totally deserved it. I agree. I agree.
2: Well, Brian is someone who, of course, I have watched for years and I feel like I know him because of all the stories I've heard about him over the years, but I had never met him until I saw him at the cocktail hour before the daytime Emmys, maybe two years ago. And I- lined for him and introduced myself. I probably dropped your name and it took about 14 seconds for me to realize that the hype was real. He is just as charming and warm and real and I, I could not be more excited to talk to him today. Well then let's
3: get him on the phone. Hi Brian. Hi everybody. How are you?
1: <laughs> Good. How are you?
3: I'm so good. That was my my fake hello.
1: Oh, that was a great fake hello. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Um, So, well, let's start. You're back at the studio doing this interview, which means you're back filming. Uh,
3: So cool, right?
1: Right. Um, Because Lucas, as we know, had been given a rest. So how did this return come about?
3: It was really uh, a pleasant surprise for me, for Brian. But Lucas, I think, just gets dragged back. Um, I'm not sure if you're referring to this time or the last time I came back, but both times have to do with unhealthy relatives.
1: Oh, t- spoiler alert.
3: How's that for a tease?
2: That's a good one. Yep. So you said it came as a surprise to you, but you've you've come and gone so much over the years. Like You had to know it wasn't the end for Lucas.
3: Well, I just thought, you know, that you know, things start and things end. So at, at some point, it's going to end, and I thought that was the time it, it was going to be. I actually really did think that was it. Um, so, you know, once you're once you're in the Horton living room and you're you're hanging your ornament and you're like, ah, oh, one last time for the Gipper, <laughs> then you feel like, oh, that could be it. That could be it, you know. But then Julie said, "This will always be your home." So then I kind of thought, well, maybe the door's open. But I, I definitely was surprised, but pleasantly. It was Usually there is like about a year in between each little break. Um, but there's been a two-year break before, too. So I, I really didn't know. So I was surprised.
1: Well, how would you spend your time away from the studio?
3: Boy, that's a good question. How do I spend my time away from the studio? Just like life takes over as being a dad and a husband and an owner of Two Crazy Dogs and... You know, the main watchman of the neighborhood. I'm like the number one neighborhood watch guy. Oh. I, I just kind of... What does that entail? In
1: oh, okay. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that. I mean I saw I walk around my neighborhood in, with yeah. like
3: a with a nightstick <laughs> and a bobby. You know one of those like English helmets.
2: <laughs> is there like a stiff no, competition I, between you and the number two neighborhood watchman? <laughs>
3: Uh, yeah, there, there actually is. There actually is. His name's Mike, but I don't <laughs> want to. Tell, I don't want to tell you his last name. Um, but Mike, yeah, he thinks he's big on that block. Um, no, I just basically just you know running around. I've been trying to revamp my 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 um, acting profile outside of days. So there's new agents, new managers. There's new headshots to be taken. There's always social media to keep updated. And you got to like, you really have to have your team together these days. Um, In the past, I kind of thought I could do it all on my own. And that's just not the case in this business. You really need help. You need people pushing you and people getting you out there for other auditions and can't be complacent. So a lot of it is just trying to up the game with the, the acting thing and get updated with that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And how's that? And been? there's
3: always acting class There's always acting class that I never go to But, <laughs> but you think about that's going That's just an option <laughs> Yeah, I think about going all the time My sister says, why don't you come to acting class And I'm just like, eh, I don't know um, <laughs> I, I think that it's important You know, as an actor You gotta do a lot of work Outside of the actual job I dropped 20 pounds Since I was last on the show So that was kind of fun Actually 25 mm-hmm. Um You're looking good on your social
1: media.
3: Well, I got way too big just being lazy and not working out and eating what I wanted and not thinking about what I was putting in my face. And then next thing you know, you're like 185 pounds and no one's telling you, dude, stop. They're just kind of like looking at you laughing. (laughs) So I was like, dude, what's up with this? Maybe I should start losing some weight. So I did, (laughs) and I I just got into a routine daily where I I wake up early and do a two-hour routine in my house. So I don't really go to a gym that much. I mean, I go to a gym like maybe once or twice a week to do cardio. But most of my workout is at home doing like leg lifts and planks and dips on the table and calf raises on my steps. And then you got, I have this stick that I use for my obliques. And and then a lot of it after a two-hour workout is you don't want to eat bad. You want to eat healthy. So you start drinking more water, you start eating better, and then you start losing weight, and then you start feeling better about yourself. So it kind of just snowballs. So luckily for me, I have an addictive personality, so I just got addicted to working out again and eating right as opposed to getting addicted not doing it.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I just kind of substituted the addiction. But I mean, it's a your appearance is a huge part of being an actor, and you can't just say, you know, I'm a good actor. Why aren't I working? Well, you have to have the whole thing. You have to clean yourself up and you have to look good and you have to get in shape and you got to get your hair right. And you got to cut your eyebrow hair. You know, there's a lot of things men my age have to do to look good. So you just got to, you got to almost like make it a priority just to be in shape. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where I'm at now.
2: You're just working on your manscaping. Got it.
3: <laughs> yeah. Just, well, yeah, just just, and then it just, it, it relates to so many other things because then you don't get, you know, the anxiety, you don't get the pressure, you don't get, you know, all the things that are associated with all the negative stuff that kind of snowballs in your life. You You get the positive stuff snowballing. So,
1: so shirtless scenes, not a big deal for you.
3: And I look better. People say I look 10 years younger, which is nice.
1: You really have stop time. I mean, I did see yes, your I'm most recent stage. headshots. You
2: look terrific.
3: Oh, good. Thanks. Thank you, babe.
2: All right. So, Brian, let's go back to, like, the beginning. So you're from Kankakee, Illinois. I'm from close to there. Uh, how did you yeah. wind up in L.A.?
3: Such a good question. Um, well, Kankakee now is Bourbonis or bourbon A. It's very high-class French now. Um, <laughs> It's not, it's, not, it's not ghetto outside of Chicago anymore. Um, but but uh, I think uh, my parents were divorced when I was two, and my mom took us to Florida, uh, me, my brother, and my sister. And she actually got a job at the National Enquirer, which is why I even got into acting, because that got me to Los Angeles, because as my mom got promoted through the company, she would bounce back and forth from Florida to Los Angeles. So I got out of Chicago because of my parents' divorce, but then because of my mom's job, I was uh, able to get to L.A. eventually and get into the business, and that's how I got out. And- but I, go back, I used to go back every year for Christmas and stuff. It's hard these days, but I used to make it a priority to go back every time. Every, every time I could, every holiday, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, because that also coincides with the hunting season, which is what I'm a fan of also when I go back home.
1: Okay. You got some skills in the wilderness?
3: I got some skills in the wilderness. I could, I could, I could be naked and afraid. <laughs> I would love to be on that show. That's
1: Good. So- well, now we're putting it out there.
3: Well, maybe not Naked and Afraid, okay, because it gets pretty cold out there at night. So maybe something like just Afraid.
2: (laughs) That new show, great. (laughs) Lightly clothed and Afraid. I love that show. That's right. (laughs) Um, So what do
1: you remember about the audition for Days and then getting the role?
3: Oh, this was a good one. I remember it took like two months to get. It took like five or six auditions. Because, you know, you start out with the general and then you get called for a casting agent and then you get called for the producers and then you get to network. And by the time you get to the last stage, there's eight people who who are just different options to you. Some look like you, some don't look like you, um, but they're all doing your same scene and you get to watch the person do the scene you have to do, which is kind of hard because you're like, oh, I was going to do it like that. And then some dude steals your move. <laughs> but. I I didn't, I had a a reading with Christy Clark um, with the network people and I was supposed to kiss her and I didn't kiss her. I was scared to kiss her because we had acting class earlier um, in our lives when we were kids. So I was like, oh no, this is so awkward because we're kind of friends and I have to kiss her. So I didn't kiss her. And then after the interview, they were like, why did not you kiss her? And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll kiss her right now if you want me to. <laughs> and they're like, no, you can, you can kiss her on your callback. And I was like, oh, cool, I get a callback? And that was network. So then when I got to network, um, I think I even said my lines wrong when I was being tested. I like, I like my dyslexia kicked in and I flipped some, some lines around. And I didn't stop. And they kept it because I didn't stop. And they appreciated the fact that I wasn't thrown by my own mistake. So I thought they thought, oh, this guy could be efficient. (laughs) And then they got me on stage, and I couldn't remember anything for the first five years. (laughs) (laughs) they're like this guy's smart we think and then when i got there they were like this guy's really dumb (laughs) this guy has a lot of learning disabilities but it was it was hard to memorize it took me seriously it took me about three four years to to get it down and um you know the only thing i can attribute it to is is a lot of people taking their time with me early um Deborah Adair who played Kate really went out of her way to teach me these little secrets about transitions and getting thoughts together and not worrying about the words themselves, but the actual thoughts. And that's kind of freed me up to, to be a little more, you know, efficient, um, but it's a hard gig you know every every single time i come here it's a challenge it's a hard it's 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 a hard thing to do being a soap opera actor only having you know a, a little bit of time to perfect an episode and then when you get to the to the stage you know you got to throw your blocking and your direction and your notes in there and the heat of the lights are on you and the pressure of the work day so you really got to you really got to um you really got to know what you're doing when you come here so it's it's not an easy job
2: so you started around the same time, of course, as Allison Sweeney did, as Sammy. Uh, what are your early memories of working with Allie?
3: I just remember that Allie was younger than I was. I was twenty-one when I started; she was sixteen. And the characters kind of had that dynamic as well, where they kind of they kind of gave Lucas a little more insight on life than Sammy, so he could kind of like tell her about things, and then she could find out things on her own. And it was really cool working you know, early on with her because I got to be that, that older voice to her. Like, you know, Austin, what do you think Austin wants? You know, he wants to be my friend. No, he doesn't just want to be your friend, Sammy. So I remember having like a lot of knowledge back then, which was kind of cool. I remember being like the dude who, who was like, you know, in on the scoop, you know? And then when we got to our conniving days where we started to be like, you know, Cagney and Lacey or whatever. <laughs> um, it was cool because, you know, Lucas was the same voice that tried to keep her out of overreacting and tried to keep her out of trying to take on the Demiras and, and then we evolved into where she just became a superhero and then she didn't listen to Lucas at all. So I, I really liked the early stuff where Lucas had to, like, set Sammy straight and he was, like, the catalyst. You know, and then he gave her the reins and she just rode off into the sunset.
2: Brian, do you see yourself more as a Cagney or a Lacey?
3: I see myself as a Cagney. (laughs) We see you you that way, too. We
2: see you that way, too.
3: Yeah, Okay. (laughs) Um, Whoever's the butt of the joke would be
1: me. (laughs) Aw, babe. Um, Well, when you started, it was a very heady time in day's history with Jim Riley writing the show Um, You know, what did you know about soap operas before you even joined and what did you think of your early stories?
3: Well, I was a huge fan of the show before I was on for years. I started watching it with my grandmother um, on a daily basis when I would go visit her in the summer. So I would go visit her for about a month and a half every summer. And she would just, you know, sit me down in front of the TV and say, "Okay, days is on. You're not allowed to talk. You can ask questions at the commercial, but I want no noise. Otherwise, you have to go in the back room and watch the Cub game. Well, I was into the Cubs, but I, for some reason, I, I was in love with Jennifer at the time. Because she was with Frankie. Your sister. And Frankie kind of looked like me. So I thought, I thought I could be Frankie and get a girl like Jennifer someday. So this is great. What a great show. I'll watch it. And they were putting her in a bathing suit. They put her in a, like, late, mid-'80s, like, one piece bathing suit and i was like wow look <laughs> at her arms you know like your skin back then you didn't see a lot of skin on daytime i was like wow <laughs> um so i was in love with jennifer and then i actually told my grandma i'm gonna marry her someday Aww. and she's like okay whatever <laughs> and then i got really lucky getting the audition and called my grandma up and i was like um I get to try out for Days of Our Lives, and she's like, you're going to make it. And I'm like, I don't think I'm going to make it. She's like, you're going to get it. So I didn't know that much about you know, behind-the-scenes soap stuff and the preparation and the hard work. I just knew that it was a really fun show to watch, and you got to drag people through a lot of emotion um, in the middle of the day which I thought was kind of cool because I used to cry sometimes watching the show. I used to be like, wow, that was a really good scene. You know, when patch would sit and play his harmonica, I'd be like in tears with him. Like, Oh no, my man, my man, patch is hurting. Now I'm hurting too, you know? (laughs) So then when I got here, I was like, wow, what a different world because it truly is a different world. Once you become a soap actor, you're, you're on the inside now. And there's so many different personalities on the set and, you know, on the crew and on the cast that all that's kind of like the really fun, cool stuff that I've, I've kind of run into over the years. is just the relationship with people that have been, you know, really cool and great. And it really does become your family because you're here more than, especially with the old hours, you're, you're here more than you're at home.
1: Um, At what point did you tell Missy about your teenage crush on her?
3: I don't think I ever have told Missy that because I'm her brother now. And it would be so awkward to have sexual tension with my sister. (laughs) I mean, it's just, we're pushing all kinds of boundaries here. Um, I think I think I told her once that she really looked good in bathing suits.
2: Oh, that's so <laughs> much less creepy, Brian. Good move.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and then she looked at me like you are weird, and I'm not going to be alone with you ever. <laughs> and then I was like, but I love your husband. You know, I like tried to make it up. I love Scott. Scott's like the coolest dude ever. <laughs> I tried to sugarcoat her by telling her that her husband was better looking than me. Well,
1: without the context, maybe it just you know didn't play the way you meant it. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I love you in a bathing suit, but I love your husband, too.
2: But you know who's a cool guy? Your husband. Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> Transition to your husband.
1: Um, now, you really hit it pretty quickly with the story with Carrie and Austin and Sammy and Lucas. You know, could you ever have imagined that really, like, your first story out of the gate would be such a fan favorite and it's popular, being on Digest covers? You know, it was a lot at once.
3: It really was a lot to step into. Um, I had no idea that the loyalty behind couples themselves and how soap fans just gather behind certain people. So I didn't know, you know, team Austin or team Carrie, I didn't, you know, uh, Lumi or, or whatever Austin and Carrie were, I don't even know what their name was, but the fans are very loyal to those couples. So it was kind of fun to play it on stage, but I didn't realize just how how I was digging my grave by sabotaging Carrie and Austin. <laughs> People <laughs> loved Carrie and Austin back then. So for me to like get in between that, I used to get a lot of fan mail saying, you know, people used to make fun of my teeth and my hair and my cheekbones. I guess I had like really high cheekbones then. Cause I had like no weight on me. And I, it was before I got my teeth fixed. So people were like, Lucas should just leave Austin and carry it alone with his bad teeth. <laughs> and then you'd be <laughs> like, Whoa, these people are really invested in this. This is, this is not just a show for them. This is, this is personal. This is, this is something that they really, you know, raise a flag for. So, I remember being tripped out by that in the beginning going wow you know and then I remember relishing the 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 bad guy part that I got to play so early just because of that just because I wanted people to send me hate mail I wanted people to get so mad at me that they had to, to sit down and write me a letter and tell me how what a dork I was <laughs> so that that to me was like a success I was like oh wow I'm really doing it I'm I'm actually you know influencing how people view me. This is really cool. So it was a lot of work dialogue wise. I wish that I had that chance to kind of go back and do it when I was a little more familiar with memorizing and, and acting in, in itself, because there's so many great moments. I feel like, oh my God, I'm so bad. That was, that was, that was such bad rookie acting. I wish I could get those storylines back and sink my teeth into them now.
2: Think your new teeth into them. <laughs> I
3: think my veneers into them now. <laughs> That'd be insane.
1: Um, how did you feel when the show made Lucas a Horton? I mean, that really solidified you in a way into like the first family of the canvas.
3: Yeah, well, that was that was a blessing and a punishment because it, I, I got put, you know, into a, a, a royal realm, which is the Hortons. Like for me, that was like the ultimate honor is to, to be included in that house, to be a part of that living room and come down those steps and sit in Alice's chair and all that is like days, vintage, one oh one classic royalty. But then at the same time, you kind of get shelved a certain, ever since I became a Horton, I kind of became just a Horton, you know, and, you know, I got to... Do some things here and there, but it almost kind of put me in like the, you know, I became a grandfather. I became a Horton. Um, you know, it, there it was so many like uh, age age appropriate transitions that kind of put me into that grandfather role. That kind of like slowed down the workload. So it was great to be a Horton because I mean you can't get any more respect than that being a Horton on days. But then, you know. The Hortons are, kind of, you show up around Christmas and then everyone else gets to have the drama and the fun and you, you get to show up and kind of throw your two cents in, but then everyone else is really going through the, the hard stuff. So I don't know, for me, when I was a Horton, I kind of got put into a more mellow role, not, not in the middle of things as much as, as I would like.
1: And it eliminated any possibility of a Lucas-Jennifer pairing.
3: That was the big thing. I wasn't going to say that, but that was truly the the, the true heartache. Was now I'm not, now she's really my sister, and I can't have a love scene with her. This is I quit. I quit.
2: This is just I'm cruel. going to
3: General Hospital.
1: <laughs> well, let's talk about the first time Lucas was written out. What did you think at the time? And did you? I know you had mentioned that you never thought you would come back. Maybe even this last time. But at that time, did you think there was a possibility that you would return?
3: No, the very first time I was let go, I did, I thought that was it. I thought three years on a soap was a good run. I completed my contract. You know, um, it was hard. Maybe they kind of weighed the options, and, and I, you know, like I said, it was hard for me to memorize in that time period, so maybe I was kind of relieved when they let me go. I was like, oh, wow, you know, I don't have to try to do this anymore because I didn't really feel like I was succeeding. But... <laughs> Then I saw my cake when they brought my cake out, and it looked like Mario Lopez on the cake. And I was like, who's that? And they're like, that's you. And I'm like, that's not me. That's Mario Lopez. I know. I play softball with him. They're like, no, no, that's you. And it said BMOC on it, which was big man on campus. And I was like, what's that mean? And they're like, you're the big man on campus. And I'm like, are you sure you're talking about me? because I don't even feel like I'm the big man on campus. I am being let go. And I look like Mario Lopez. So I was like, that's it. They, they, they've made it a point to make sure that I'm not coming back. And then when I came back, I was like, wow, that's a really crazy. And I think it's happened seven times since then where I've been brought back and let go. So you're right. I'm probably pretty stupid to think I wasn't coming back the last time, but, How many lives does a cat have? I mean, if they have nine lives and I'm on seven, I really only have two more. So it's not that much.
2: I don't think that's a hard and fast rule that applies in this situation. I don't think you should be measuring it against a cat. But regardless, you still have a couple lives left. So
3: we're good. Yeah, no, right. Totally. (laughs) But, you know, that end I am anticipating is near at some point. It has to be because now it's like, you know, it's like going to a surprise party and never opening a present. It's like, come on. Well,
2: clearly they just can't quit you. Like they try, and they just can't do it.
3: Yeah, I'm like, I'm the mess of acting.
2: <laughs> there, there you go.
1: That's something like that's an epitaph right there. If I've yeah, ever heard one, yeah. that could go on your next goodbye cake. Um, <laughs> the mess. Goodbye to Brian. The mess. The mess of acting. Yeah. Yep. Um, now you were really one of the few actors who left, took a real job, and talked about it, you know, very candidly, um, you mm-hmm. know, what What was that time like for you when you were not working as an actor?
3: That was really fun. I, I was extremely happy. It was like one of the happiest points of my life um, doing construction. But God, in his infinite wisdom and his infinite sense of humor, had me work at Sony Pictures with the company that I joined, not knowing that they did work at Sony, so here I am leaving Sony, or a Sony-owned show, and then I have to go to Sony Studios to do construction. <laughs> so when, when people would recognize me, because they still do tours of, of Sony Studios with people, and you know people would recognize me, and even executives would recognize me. And they'd be like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm working on Stage 3, or I'm working on the theater, or I'm working on the Roy Rogers Theater, I'm building a wall. And they're like... You're really doing construction? I'm like, yeah, I'm on my break, man. I got to go back. <laughs> so it was really fun. I actually had a, I got a really big kick out of it. I thought I was cool. Um, and it also built character for me because it was long hours. It was hard work. The pay is definitely not what the pay is in acting. Although construction, makers, construction workers make a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money. I was way down on the totem pole, but there were guys ahead of me making what I did on the show. So construction, it's, um, it's definitely a, a big money business, especially when you're doing work on a studio like Sony. Um, but it was weird. It was weird. It was just, it was um, serendipity, I think, if that's even right. It was weird that I would be at Sony Studios. And, and it lasted about a year, year and a half. And then when I stopped and got called back.
2: Was there ever like a part of you that thought about saying no and and not returning to the show?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Every, every time I'm asked back, I kind of weigh the options of saying no or yes. Um, I just feel like for some reason that I should be here. I don't, I feel like it's a failure in my life. If I don't complete my journey here, I feel like if I don't, you know, make the most out of this opportunity that not a lot of people get, that I'm really not doing justice to the fact that I got it. So every time I come back, I just try to earn my keep and make sure that I'm good enough to come back at some point. Um, I don't I don't need to be, you know, the centerpiece of the show. I don't need to carry the show. I don't want to work five days a week, year-round. I don't want that kind of contract. Um, I just want to be... Available when they need me, and do really good work when they need me. If they give me the ball to run, and they give me a big storyline, I want to know that I can handle it. But it's not—it's not my priority. I'm not trying to take over or anything. I'm just trying to make ends meet and feed my family, and feel good about my my choices as a as an actor, and hopefully do good work that some people could see someday and and take them out of their reality. Like I used to watch the show, and it took me out of my reality. So it, it's fun to kind of throw it back to people who are watching and then maybe influence somebody to be an actor someday would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Mara and I were just talking about what an incredible job you did with the really rich material that Ron gave you to play early in his tenure as head writer. Um, did you feel when you were doing it um, that it was going to have the kind of impact on the audience and the critics, really?
3: Mm, I, whenever you pick up something like that and you know that you're getting a really good storyline and a lot of material, like the first thing that goes through my mind is don't blow it. You know, make sure you, you do justice to what they're trying to do. Um, you know, if they're going to give you The Rock and, and, and give you a great storyline like that with all those great speeches and stuff, uh, you've got to go out of your way to make sure you know what you're doing and, and, and you're memorized and your acting's on point. But I I never, it's so hard because when I go home after stuff like that, it's like I zone out. I don't really know what happened. I feel like I black out when I'm in that kind of depth. And then I get home and they're like, you know, how was today? And I'm like, I I think I did horrible. So every time I go home, I feel like I did horrible. So (laughs) when I get good feedback, it's always a surprise to me people are like, "Oh my god, you did great in those scenes." I'm like, "Really?" They're like, "No, yeah, you really, you know, I was crying." I was like, "Oh. Cool. Um, thank you." It always takes me by surprise because I'm never I don't know, I'm never quite 100% satisfied. I always think I can do better. So then I'm I'm always shocked when people say, "You did really good."
2: You know, watching the show in the 90s, I could never have anticipated the time that did come in, in the mid-aughts where Lucas, like, legit had it going on with Carrie and with Sammy, was it fun for you and kind of like, you know, oh, finally, to see Lucas kind of get his due in the romance department?
3: Yeah, that was fun. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually more fun to play the guy who doesn't get the girl than the guy who gets the girl. I feel like you have more... I don't know. You have more to stand on. You're hungrier, you know, you're, you have an edge, you know, and the girl kind of like calms you down and makes you sensible. And all of a sudden you're the voice of reason. And, you know, I, I kind of liked being the guy who didn't get the girl, but when you do get the girl, it is rewarding because you feel like, Oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a total loss case. I, I actually can get the girl too. Um, but it's not my priority. It wasn't like, oh, I'm rewarded with getting the girl. I, I would almost rather not get the girl.
1: Well, you've certainly had experience with that <laughs> since that story. Yeah, no, I know. Um, yeah. So tell us about working uh, first with Judy and then with Nadia.
3: Well, Judy is just the most soulful, incredible, special, sweet, wholesome woman Wholesome <laughs> until she starts talking in crazy sex. I
1: did annoyance. just raise my eyebrow, Amara, when you used that. Then, word. Then,
3: <laughs> then she's just great. But I've never met someone who has such a, a an amazing soul, who's just such so giving and so caring and so emotionally available and open, and but strong. You know, strong and and um, assertive and just great with the dialogue and do you want to run? Do you want to run? You want to run lines? Let's run lines. I got an idea. Let's run lines. Like she's like, loves to run lines. (laughs) So for me, it was like, she's so enthusiastic about being here. How can I not be, you know, she was so enthusiastic about we get to work together. And I was like, okay, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like it rubs off on you. You can't help but be affected by her. Um, Nadia is 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 great and and extremely cool, but in different ways. Nadia is kind of like says stuff under her breath that would just make you crack up hilariously, and and she's she's very real, you know, and she's very. I'm so over the soap opera thing, you know, and she's. <laughs> She's like, why do we always have to look good? And, you know, cause she looks good naturally. So right. she doesn't have to do anything to look good. So she's like, why do we always have to look good? Why is it so important? <laughs> but she's, she's huh? so great. You know, she's such a talent and she's so cool to work with and obviously so beautiful, but so unaffected by the whole setup of daytime. She's just, you know, she's a mom who's at work and she's waiting to get home to her man. So She's really cool. Great to travel with both Julie, uh, I mean both Judy and um, Nadia are great to travel with because I travel with them quite a bit too. So traveling with them is a great time.
1: Well, what do you hear in your travels from fans? Like, what's their probably number one comment to you?
3: Uh, a lot of people seem to be appreciated the hard work I put in on the the Will storyline, or you know the the storyline where I was battling my alcoholism and stuff. Um, so whenever I hear that, I always feel, I always get like a personal story from a fan because they'll always say, you know, my dad had a drinking problem and we looked the other way for years. But, you know, I went through a lot of similar things that, that you put people through or that you felt guilty about. Um, all those things are extremely rewarding when you travel and you get to hear the feedback from the fans on what they think of your performance, but how it relates to their life is, is usually the thing that surprises me the most and how people feel like they're a part of your life too, which is really, really, really cool. I mean, I don't think you can get that anywhere else outside of any other entertainment genre, except if you're a Trekkie. <laughs> Do you, uh,
2: as you look back over the years, do you you have a favorite Lucas storyline? Is one rise to the top
3: for you? Boy, that's a good question. Um, I, favorite Lucas storyline. Hmm. I think that there was one time where I had to profess my love to Sammy and I had to sing I think I sang woman in red
1: at the I Penthouse Grill. At the Penthouse Grill. <laughs> uh-huh.
3: At the Penthouse Grill in front of the whole cast, no pressure. Um I, I'm not a singer. And they're like, Do you wanna sing? And I'm like, No And they're like, But you get to sing today and I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so they had me work with the music guy and I, I did horrible. I could not sing to save my life. But what I liked about it was is it got like, I couldn't be more naked in front of everybody than that for me. So for me to be like stripped down like that, I was like, wow, it it can't get any worse than this. So this could be my favorite low. Um,
2: It was your Naked and Afraid, Brian. It was your version. That is
3: my Naked and Afraid in the penthouse grill singing to Sammy, you are so beautiful to me. To me. Can't you see? You're everything I hoped for. Oh, you're everything I need. Yeah, it it was really bad. Um, But I always like the storylines where um, I get to get angry. I mean, I love the the alcohol storyline. I guess that's probably my favorite because I got to hold the mirror up to everybody, especially in the church, and tell everybody what I really thought of them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, blisteringly so. (laughs) Yeah,
3: and I ended up spitting on Christopher Sean that day, and I feel really bad because, like, a piece of spit went out of my mouth and hit <laughs> him, and he was such a great trooper. Like, he didn't budge at all. He didn't do anything. He didn't even wipe it away. He just, like, went through the whole scene with it right on his left cheek. And afterwards, I'm like, dude, why did you wipe that off? He's like, bro, I'm a professional. <laughs> Nothing throws me. So, Right on, Christopher.
0: Like that, man,
3: I love. That. He's the man. He's the man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, Talk about your relationship with Chandler Massey and uh, just playing his dad.
3: It was weird being like a young man's dad, because in the past I was always like a boy's dad, you know, as Will grew up through the stages, you know, Um, started with the Carpenter twins and then I moved up to a couple other guys. And then I had like a preteen Will, but then when Will became like, you know, like pretty much a legit man, it was shocking for me because I was like, "I'm this guy's dad. We kind of look like we could be brothers." And and then I was thinking, "Well, maybe I should look older. Well, maybe I should eat a little more." <laughs> Next thing I knew, I was like, uh-huh. "I was bona fide dad, bona fide grandpa, bona fide 187 pounds." So I was like, this is not good. This is not good. I got to get back. So I started working out again. And then when I showed up in in a little better shape, Chandler would be like, oh, now you got bigger arms than me. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) So I think he thought I was trying to like outdo him because he was like, you know, lean, mean fighting machine. But no. No. And then he kept getting Emmy after Emmy. And like, I've been slaving my whole life to even be considered for an Emmy. And that hasn't happened yet. So <laughs> for him, I was like, dude, how do you do it? How do you just come out here and get three Emmys like right off the bat? He's like, oh, I don't know. You know, he just does this thing, eating his kale, being his GQ self, you know? And I was just like, come on, bro, give me your secrets. Tell me what's working for you. Tell me, I want to, I want to steal a page out of your book. And you're like, no, man, no. You know, I just, to be that young and that together, I, I I envy him. I was, I was a mess when I was that age. I was like neurotic and weird and full of myself and egocentric. He's just like level-headed, nice, cool, nothing throws him. Great actor, has the awards. I think he has like three or four side businesses that he's like making crazy cash on you know, he's got like property I think he owns. Everything that I wish I would have done coming up, he's done. So I'm like, I love that guy when I, when I next time I'm coming back his channel
1: <laughs> um, Well, give us an update on your real life kids, Gabe and Delilah.
3: Gabe is out of the house, which is crazy. crazy. He's in a dorm. He's in a dorm in Orange County, um, studying to be a radiologist. Wow. I know crazy, right?
1: Yeah, it's very crazy. And I'm like, I do Dude. remember him being born.
3: <laughs> yeah. So he's 19 now. He's six foot three and a half. He is GQ model, you know, no fat on him. Has a cute little girlfriend. Um, he's in his second year or year and a half of uh, radiology school. Uh, I think his mom's already got him lined up for internship at all the, the, the posh, Plastic surgeons in Orange County. But he should be okay. He's doing real good. He drives a BMW. Mm. What does he care? He's, <laughs> he's got the life now. Um, yeah, and he's good looking. And um, Delilah, my four year old daughter, she's about to be five in June. She's doing the, the, doing the preschool, kindergarten thing, you know. Um, she, she did get two acting jobs. So yeah. she's actually acting now. She got two YouTube commercials or Amazon commercials wow. or whatever they are. Yeah, so she's, uh, she's, worked, she's worked twice this year, which is almost as much as me. <laughs> 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 We have the same W-2 amount right now. (laughs)
0: That's
3: (gasps) No, no, she's she's tearing it up, and she's, you know, she's she's really into Beauty and the Beast. So I have to recite every line from Beauty and the Beast. I have to act like I'm the Beast who's dead. Oh, Belle, you came back for me. And then she says, of course I came back for you. And then I say, it's okay. Uh, At least I got to see your face one more time. And then she says, oh, but it's all my fault. And she goes into the whole guilt. Thing, but I love you. And then I have to turn into the prince. And then she has to say, Oh, you are, those are your eyes. Oh, and then I'll hug and dance.
2: Some of your best work.
3: Amazing. I have to play that out out about 15 times a day. (laughs) Daddy, be the beast, and you're hurt. Go ahead. Now go. You're hurt.
1: (laughs) Um, Well, as you are about to mark now 26 years since you first came to Salem. Um, you know, what do you think about when you think about this journey of playing Lucas and just how it's changed
3: your life? Well, I think not only has it changed my life, it's it's become my life. It's become everything that I that I would probably stand for when I die is I'm Lucas from days of our lives. That's who I am. So I'm I'm totally great with it, you know. Pat Muldoon used to tease me back in the day, bro, you're going to be Lucas forever. (laughs) Hey, bro, you're going to be Lucas when you're 60. And I always used to be like, no, no. I'm going to be a great actor and have a film career. And then he'd be like, yeah, right. No way, Lucas. And it turns out Pat Muldoon is right. I'm almost 50. I'm still Lucas. I don't think there's much on the horizon, which is fine. And I, I, my job in life now is just to play Lucas to the best of my ability. Maybe someday get some hardware. You know, I, I would even take being nominated for an Emmy. I, I would be okay with that. I don't even need the Emmy. Just like, you know, make it so I don't have to pay to go to the Emmys. That would be cool if I was nominated. Just, um, all he ever then, asked for and,
2: was a free Emmy ticket.
3: That's all I'm asking for. Yeah, it's not much. Um yeah, I, I'm I'm okay with it. I, I'm I I'm okay with being Lucas forever. So i I've, I've I've learned to accept my real fate.
2: Yeah, with belated thanks to Pat Muldoon for helping you prepare.
3: Yeah, thanks, Pat. You're all hard, bro. <laughs>
1: Um, well, as always, thanks for chatting with us, Brian. It was great to no catch problem. up.
3: Thank you, guys.
1: Thank you, Brian. Have a good day. All right, Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Brian DiTillo for being our guest. If you like this podcast, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.